0: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Radio Main, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Someday
3: we'll find it, the rainbow connection. Well, and me. Wow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Tuesday night and it is another conversation with blind LGBT pride. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona. Of course, I am always joined by President Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone.
2: Welcome back and to Fight Connection.
3: The awesome founding member,
1: Vice President Extraordinaire, Leah Gardner. Hey, everybody. Good evening or morning or whenever it is you may actually be listening to this program.
3: (laughs) We have uh, a pretty awesome show this evening. It is the first in a set of conversations around racial justice and the conversation that needs to be had, should be had, and we're glad that we're having it. I'd like to quickly thank Jeff Bishop, who is our guest engineer behind the scenes, extraordinaire. Thank you so much for uh, facilitating for us this evening, Jeff. And we want to get into the conversation as quickly as possible. So I will turn it over to Gabe for his president's message. And then Leo will introduce
2: our guests. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. Um, Thanks to ACB Radio, as always. Uh, Jeff and all the team working for us behind the scenes um it has been an interesting year 2020 wow i've heard a um i've heard a saying that says nowadays from now on when we hit like a bump in the road or when we hit some challenge we're gonna say i just hit a 2020 (laughs) (laughs) um the topic of uh racial justice slash injustice, racial equality slash inequality has been around and, um, ha- is nothing new, especially for those who live it and experience it. Um, the African-American community has a long-standing history of experiencing, uh, many, many challenges in this topic. And, uh, BPI is an organization that, if, uh, you know, if well, can be said, we r- do represent that intersectionality of uh, those of us who are blind or visually impaired and part of the LGBTQ community. But we also um, stand up for uh, offering a platform and a voice for underserved communities and other minorities. And um, we ourselves, a huge composition of our, a huge makeup of our membership is from the african-american uh brothers and sisters and um just with just like we did a couple of months uh, and weeks ago with the pronoun conversation we know and we have experienced that the best way to approach the the topics at hand is to bring on the real life experts so i Uh, like Anthony said we uh, this is a conversation that we need to have and we need to keep alive because it's something that is uh we need to keep working on it actively from every platform from every aspect of um, our communities and um ACB is part of this community uh BPI is part of this community so we're very happy to host and offer that platform for those voices to be heard and to be um, projected and, like always, to advocate. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Leah so she can introduce our amazing guests for tonight.
1: Uh, First, I just want to uh, make note of an important uh, landmark in the United States. Um, Last week, our Democratic presidential candidate, um, made the choice, uh, as his vice presidential running mate, Kamala Harris, who, um, was herself a contender in the, uh, democratic presidential race early on. And, um, it's very exciting. This is not the first time that a woman has been nominated, um, as vice president, Geraldine Ferraro was nominated in 1984, but um Kamala Harris is <laughs> is a are mixed you, race. I'm
3: sorry. Are you purposely leaving out me, uh, Ms. Palin?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. Actually, I had a I had a mental block about Ms. Palin. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize. I had a mental block uh, about her. That is correct. John McCain's running mate was, was, uh, Sarah Palin in 2008. However, uh, Kamala Harris is actually a, um, mixed race, uh, um, individual. Her, her father is from Jamaica and, um, black and her mother is, um, uh, Indian. So, this is a real um, it's a real stride forward um in the United States. I know we're going to talk about a lot of dark things this evening, but I thought that the news about um, Kamala Harris was uh particularly uh, awesome during these really difficult times. So we have two guests this evening. Uh, We actually have a former BPI president with us. Um, Our past president prior to Gabe, Will Burley, is with us. And um, Will is a a black activist who lives in Texas. And he can tell us more about himself. Um, We also have Cheryl Cummings, who is a member of the uh, Multicultural Affairs Committee, uh, within ACB. And um, this we're really excited to have both of you this evening.
0: glad to be here.
1: Will, can you tell, can you tell me um, about uh, the advocacy um, that you are part of at this point in time? I, I know that you have a rich history of advocacy, not just in the GLBTQ community, uh, but but in the Black community as well?
0: Um, yes. Um, quite a bit of history. Uh, currently, I serve at work at uh, Disability Rights Texas as one of the co-facilitators of our uh, cultural humility work group. And we're doing a lot of work surrounding racial injustice, um, not only in the uh, Black um community, but other communities as well um, and we have a staff of over almost two hundred people across the state mm. um so we're doing listening sessions, um training programs on um implicit bias and things like that, and trying to bring everybody in so we can have these uh tough conversations. Um, but they need to be held so we can continually learn. Um, our group used to be called the Cultural Competency Work Group. But competency um, gives you that illusion that you can learn everything and then you just stop. But... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I learned
0: enough on you. <laughs> 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 did I get an A? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. right, right, did I pass? Yeah, and with, with the humi- humility, you know, it's an ongoing thing. So that's what we changed it to. Um, so that's been, unfortunately, how I found my voice in, in 2020.
3: So Cheryl, can you tell us a brief bit about you as well? And then I wanna start the question with the conversation with an interesting question, Cheryl.
4: Sure. So as you said, um, I am a member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Um, I, I am in Massachusetts and a lot of my advocacy has been around blindness access, you know, blind, uh, issues affecting the lives of people who are blind. Um, and I mean since the the beginning I've always personally worked to make sure that the issues that affect people who are blind that um, that at the same time I am involved in like my local NAACP or involved in organizations that are working on Latino issues or Asian issues so I've always like You know, I'm sort of the person who's there to like, oh, you know, I raise my hand and I say, oh, we got to think about people with disabilities. And I do that in different forums. So that's that's what I've been doing.
3: Well, thank you both for being so willing to have this conversation Um, with BPI. We're big proponents of to know who we are is, you know, to get to know who we've been and where we've been. So let's start the conversation out this way. When did you understand you were Black? And what did that mean then? And how did it evolve to what it means? And what does it mean now? It's a multi-layered c- question, but we'll take it away.
0: Um. I think I understood when I had to have the talk. Um, I remember my mom and dad sitting me down. I had to be maybe six or seven years old. um, And they sat me down to have the talk about, you know, police officers, um, because I grew up in a... Um, pretty rough neighborhood. Um, it was very family oriented, but it it was the ghetto. Um,
3: and by the talk, you don't mean birds and bees. Oh For those no, who may not know what that means? <laughs> yeah,
0: thank you. The talk is when parents or get together with uh, especially their, their Black sons. And whereas a lot of people grew up thinking that the police are here to protect and serve, um, has, as we've seen with video over the last couple of years, uh, for, for Black men, even those that are unarmed or men of color, Um, Sometimes police mean death. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's instilled in you from an early age um, not to talk back to the police. Always show your hands so they won't think that you're grabbing a gun or a weapon to hurt them. So that's when I personally realized, okay, things are different, Mm -hmm. different.
3: And through the years to where you are now, how has that, what
0: has that meant? I've taken a somewhat odd um, path um, because I work in the legal field. I have since I've been 20 and now I'm only 21.
2: You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I've worked for, for firms. I'm, I'm going to pull a Dorothy on you and I'm going to say <laughs> what will in <and> dog ears.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I've worked for firms that law firms that have represented police officers unions. Um. I went to the one high school in the entire country at the time that was dedicated to um, law enforcement and criminal justice. So, and I have friends from high school that work in law enforcement today. Hmm. Uh, And we have these really hard conversations, um, and I have friends of every every color, and it's different for everybody. Um, and it's it's really hard to to really put into words. Um, so I've had these conversations while representing um unions. Um, and it's not to say that every police officer is bad, and I think that's one of the misconceptions that, um, for those that don't want to hear or that want to continue to be ignorant on the issue, mm-hmm. um, they always say, "Well, you know, not everybody's bad." No, we're we're not talking about a personal. Racism. We're talking about a systematic Systemic. racism, mm-hmm. um, and so I think more people are getting to under beginning to understand that, whereas it was just a taboo topic um, in the past. And I hate that it took the murder of George Floyd for people to get it. Um
2: yeah yeah and the fact that it was captured on such a uh such a uh vivid you know transmission of it, of events and mm-hmm. and that it yeah. went uh, it went around the world basically in a couple of minutes
1: right. well what do you, what do you think the difference is between the the murder of George Floyd and previous um on, honestly pre- previous um,
3: Warner, incidents I mean
1: we've had over the past few years particularly we've had uh, I mean r- incident after incident after incident of, of black men being caught on video um you know uh, right. with w- you know with with the police officer um completely going after them and they were unarmed in all these cases Mm -hmm. uh sitting in their cars in some cases you know with for no reason i mean i can't it's countless videos that have captured this so i'm curious what's different about um the george floyd um situation
0: i know for me um and i can't you know, speak for, for everybody else, but for me in particular, what captured me was that this man laid there Mm -hmm. for now, what we find was over nine minutes. Um, At points pleading for his mom yeah he begging mm-hmm.
3: to be released because he couldn't breathe
0: right and so it it almost put people i know it's not the same as as nineteen sixty eight or you know during civil rights um but it it really was such a shock to the system that you know people knew this was going on they knew but then when you see the government and those people who are supposed to protect and serve just basically s- stand there or lean on this on this man um you can't unsee that um and even to just hear it um you can't unhear it mm-hmm. so i think that's the the difference at least for me um i'll never be able to un unhear um those those pleas
1: yeah cheryl i, I just wanted to bring you into the conversation how uh how were you affected by, um, by George Floyd's murder?
4: Um, so anytime, I mean, uh, it just brought me back to, I think it was 1980 something or 90 something. There was a news story about a young Nigerian man in New York, in his apartment building Uh, and the cops shot Mm -hmm. him like 70 something times. I I mean, I might've gotten that. I might be inflated, but I mean, and he was unarmed. He was just in the vestibule. Um, And the case took years and years and they all got off. I don't think any of them went to jail. Any of them, nothing happened to any of them. And, um, From that moment on, I was like, okay, so, Mm. uh, you know, you got to be wary of cops. Um, I mean, in the George Floyd thing, I I haven't listened to the video. I can't do it. Mm. Um, But to hear them talk about somebody kneeling on somebody's neck for (laughs) eight minutes and 49 seconds, and that they you know i've just heard so many people describe it as the cop like not i mean not like not budging and and being very sort of like confident that he had the right to kneel on this person's neck like that um, i mean it, it 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 terrified me it's it really scared me um, and and i I don't you know I don't cry a lot, but it was like the one time I just sat down and thought this is this is truly awful i I don't know what to say about mm-hmm. being indian- you know being an american um because i mean but and but I had that same reaction for all of them Michael Brown was a disgrace uh mm-hmm you know, um, that the, the young man you mentioned who was in his car and they shot him, that was a disgrace. Sandra Bland was a disgrace. So it, it's just like, I you know, every time it happened, you're like, well, what is it going to take? I mean, why why aren't we in the streets? Why aren't we, you know, why isn't there an uprising? And, and this time, I really think because the video was so visceral and you can imagine yourself being George Floyd. I think that might be the thing that changed it for people. Um and also the police weren't able to get out a counter narrative as quickly Mm -hmm.
1: yes. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm.
4: you know when Michael Brown when they killed Michael Brown they they swiftly put out this idea that oh he was, he was robbing the, the store and, you know, he was resisting arrest and blah, blah, blah. And so there are these two narratives running. And, and I don't think, you know, nobody, people always, like, they don't want to be the person who associates with, you know, the thief or the robber. But this time there was no narrative. There wasn't anything yeah. they could do. There, I mean, we could all see them they were arresting somebody and and you know how do you go from that to kneeling on somebody's neck
3: the peaceful process had one tool that i thought was extremely powerful and that was almost 9 minutes of complete silence yeah. making everyone experience 9 minutes how long that really is with nothing but silence not that it was silent for him, but to understand how long almost nine minutes can be. There's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing in that situation that could possibly warrant kneeling on mm-hmm. a man's neck for nine minutes. But I want to ask to shift and move a little bit forward. There's a phrase that I I absolutely hate, and I'm wondering if you guys could expand expound upon what it would mean to you personally because i we do recognize that you're not speaking for all of all of the community out there all of this situation you're speaking for yourselves and in generalities what is the phrase i don't see color mean to you
4: Oh, I usually try not to roll my eyes.
1: <laughs> 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 I think uh, it's pretty diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, because that seems to be the police narrative, you know, that uh, that's it, 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 one of the first things that you hear. Well, I don't see color. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, well, you know, I, 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 okay, so. Sorry, Cheryl. Yeah, since I mean, so there, there are lots. So one reaction is, oh, that's ridiculous. Of course you do. Um, And, but I also understand that like people, I think a lot of times people who say that they're trying to say, Hey, I'm a good person. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not a racist. Uh, I treat everybody the same. Um, But we all know that that is totally false. Um, That it's, it's not, you know, we, I mean, even if you don't have like a, intense prejudice we don't treat everybody the same Mm -hmm. um and and as as will said when you sort of think about the fact that we're not talking about like a personal prejudice but a systematic something that's like in the system something that i think is sort of inbred into the way things are done and understood then how can you not see color? So,
3: well,
1: Did right. we lose? We might have lost mm. Will for a minute, so we'll we'll give him a chance to, uh, uh to muted. to come back online.
2: I'm, I'm gonna jump in. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sure. ju- I'm just gonna jump into, and I know, like I said, uh, while well, we give Will a moment to unmute or get. His connection back I'm gonna jump in um, I, I, I read you know I, I try to avoid the news but I read reports and Anthony knows that I you know we listen to podcasts and I kind of grab bits and pieces from here and there and I um, what I do is I formulate kind of conclusions and I, I compare and I and I you know develop certain analysis analyses. One of the comparisons that I've made in the past couple of months and probably years has been um, black unarmed men, like we have been mentioning since the beginning of the program, who have been clearly n- not being a threat, you know, hands visible, you know, George Floyd was on the floor, Surround, uh, handcuffed and surrounded by four heavily armed police men, uh, you know he's, he clearly no threat there and when I go and compare it with, for example, the shooter in El Paso, Texas, uh, who was you know captured by the police and taken in a police vehicle alive. Mm-hmm so that boggles my mind it's like you know it's it, there's there's no logic there there's you know when 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 the narrative of you know policemen who are involved in in these murdering of african american men uh, that when the narrative is that that is policy that they just follow procedure like Cheryl said a moment ago, I just have to roll my eyes. So, you know, where was that policy? Where was that procedure mm-hmm. when this white man was killing people with assault rifles in the middle of a Walmart in El Paso and was handcuffed alive? Mm-hmm. So that that's just my perspective. And like I said, it's it's my analysis and my conclusion without being part of the community. So but I'm a part of the greater community so i i do observe that and i do draw my own conclusions and i do have those questions and and no one has been able to successfully or satis- you know to my satisfaction answer a question like that
3: well i I'm don't also, think that there's a way to answer there yeah, is no satisfactory I mean, answer there, to that question
1: I, I think yeah. another question would be why uh the particular officer that um kneeled on George Floyd's neck had multiple um, infractions uh-huh. already stacked up against him, racial infractions. So what's happening, what is happening there in police departments where these infractions are allowed to mount and mm-hmm. nothing, no, I mean, and, and nothing is, is done to, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, Disciplinary action. Uh, I, I, here's, you
3: know, here's here's one horrific truth. Unfortunately, you know, there's a there's a phrase: if you see something, say something. And it's used in multiple arenas. You know, let's take it to a different conversation: the Me Too movement. Something like Harvey Fire, um, Harvey Weinstein. Excuse Weinstein. me. Harvey Firestein is one of our gurus <laughs> and leaders, and so on and so forth. So please forgive me, other Harvey, but. You know, this went on for years, and how many people saw something mm-hmm. and never said something? These police departments, how many times has it been, have minor infractions and semi minor infractions and almost major infractions and major infractions happened, and very little has been said or done about it until a seven nine, 15-minute video appears, because Eric Garner was almost 15 minutes, um, you know, that's when the world can't not say anything. It's right there. It's in front of your eyes. It's in front of your ears. There's no way not to say anything. But you go into, into the histories of these various police departments and or officers themselves, and you realize how many people didn't say something and why? Why are we in a culture where we're not saying something?
4: Well, But I think you can take it out broader because, I mean, maybe what, what, when you think about it's not just a, the, you know, the police men and women that are in this situation. I mean, think about companies where, you know, things happen to people and nobody speaks up. Mm -hmm. nobody comes to the the fence nobody says that's wrong you you can't treat somebody that way um and and stuff happens um
3: yeah there was a huge movement in the late 90s because of the way retail chains were treating different cultures that walk through their doors certain people were made to leave their packages and or personal belongings at the, be, at the beginning of the store because they were deemed to be persons who were likely to steal. Who knows what and who were, what was walking through the door? Just because of a style of dress or a color of skin, you were mm-hmm. automatically profiled to be likely to steal and you needed to leave anything that would aid or abet you in stealing at the front of the store to be watched by a $7 an hour security guard who was empowered to make this decision based upon policies that came down from corporate. That's, it's a huge, that right there is a huge, huge systemic problem. It's, it's, it's a bias. It's a profiling bias and that leads, it breeds, it leads and it breeds to more and more and higher
1: and higher. Well, and how do we, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that uh, a few weeks ago, um, John Lewis passed away, um, who was, uh, I mean, a, a, uh, congressman, I believe for the last 20 years of his life. But I mean, prior to that, John Lewis, um, was a civil rights leader um, who knows who knew so many key figures in the sixties and, you know, made, made so many um, dangerous journeys through the South, um, you know, fighting for racial equity. And, and I, I think something that really saddens me is despite all the work that's been done since the '60s, you know, I, I, I still see so much violence and so much, um, honestly, so much hatred. And I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Cheryl, if in your lifetime, you have actually you've seen positive um, differences.
2: I just want to jump in really quickly. I'm sorry, Cheryl. Uh, uh, just uh, letting you guys know that I finally, after third attempt, <laughs> was able to admit Will back in. So go ahead, oh, Cheryl, and, okay. and after that, I just let you guys know that Will is back in. Great. Okay.
4: Um, I I think so. I mean, because you think. I mean, so you know, think about the folks who have been doing this work for a long, long time. Um, And, um, I, I think there, you know, changes have been made. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, people have sort of mocked things around implicit biases and microaggressions and things, all these types of terms. But in as much as there's mocking, I think there's still learning happening Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's, it's, as you said, it's sad that, um, you know, it's been sort of bit by bit. Um, but I think every time you, you have a conversation, you have a facilitated conversation, you have a, a listening session, you talk about um, history and context, and, you know, and, and you, I think for, it's like eyes are opened and understanding happens. I mean, maybe. Well, not maybe. I think what has happened this time is because of the the George George Floyd incident. um, It's like it's a broader opportunity for more for more ice to be absolutely at Mm -hmm. at one time. Um, Will
3: Will has come to us with um with some history. And some statistics, but before you give us that, well, I want to ask both of you the question that really not many people want to hear the answer to. And again, you're not speaking, I'm not asking you to speak for the community at large, but to speak for your own personal opinions on the answers to this question. Was it better? Was the Mm -hmm. country better five years ago in regards to this conversation than it is now in your personal Experiences. (laughs) Experiences.
4: <laughs> no, I mean, because yeah. I think, as Will said previously, there were just things you couldn't talk about. Um, people weren't willing to listen, um, and if you raised topic, you were either dismissed, you were mocked. Um, so. No, it was not. It was not better five years ago. Mm, um, right. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, Sarah Palin. Um, think about like what came after that election. There was the what, what was it the what was the party called? The, the I mean, Sarah Palin came to Boston.
1: Tea, were, party. The tea party. The tea party. The party. The tea party. My
4: friends and I, because she was speaking on the Boston Common, so we were working. We we're like, "Oh, let's just stroll over and see what they're talking." They were they were cheering. They're in Boston, you know, and they're cheering uh, ignorance. They're cheering mm-hmm. not reading, not I mean not reading newspapers. That it was a good thing to be uh, not interested in history. So like it. If that's your position on things, I mean, how do you change? How do you how do you sort of learn like how do you understand like how you got where you are if you don't understand what the past has been? Right. Uh-huh. So
1: there's no yeah.
4: Yeah. So so for me, no. No. I mean I in as much as like mm-hmm. we're dealing with, you know, a pandemic and we're dealing with this 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 just horrible sort of racial injustices and i mean for me i'm like okay it's out in the open we're talking right yeah i mean so some people can like turn away and say i don't want to have the conversation but you can't say like you haven't heard about it and you don't know
0: anymore all right and i I would have to agree (laughs) it it was not better because I can remember going, because I could still uh, see pretty well in two thousand eight, <clears throat> two thousand seven, and going to one of those um, rallies that was not of the party of <laughs> Barack Obama, and there what they had. Um, uh, a monkey dressed up in a suit that looked like Barack Obama,
2: <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't even living here, and I remember that
0: yeah, and even while they were serving in office, they would put um cartoons of Michelle Obama as a monkey yeah. and that still goes mm-hmm. on today. But I, the positive I see that's come from the murder of George Floyd um, is that people are finally, like Cheryl said, talking about it. It's out in the open and people have the ability now to step out of ignorance. I don't like to use the word white privilege, I like to use the word uh, white ignorance. And people can now step out of ignorance because it's just, it's plain, plain ignorance. And those who will step out of it, they will. They will be taught Um, and those who won't, they won't. And at least now, we can have these conversations and the listening sessions and and finally you know cut this cancer out uh, mm-hmm. well can.
2: i have um i have a i have kind of a request for you, and if I'm putting you on the spot and you wish to you know not share i uh, totally respect it um now that you mentioned the ignorance part of it, I, I, I don't know. I I felt so ignorant some years ago when you told me a story. And uh, I don't know if it was that I was naive since I didn't grow up in this country and I was not so aware of certain things. Um, you know which story I'm talking about. Would you mind sharing it with us? And, uh, and, and from that moment, forward i i i i felt honestly i felt i felt so ignorant i'm sorry but that's the only word i can use i i I can say naive to sugarcoat it but i but i was ignorant and i was totally oblivious um so i'm talking about the story when you were driving from houston to a town nearby on a new year's eve
0: yeah um I had just come from a singing engagement, I think, um, for New Year's Eve, and it was at night, of course, and uh, I got pulled over because um, I I think I was driving over the speed limit, and so and it was it was cold in Texas <laughs> that winter, um, for a change. And I had my my coat in the back seat, and the officer made me stand outside the car, put my hands on the hood and you know he he said i was it was so cold i was my teeth were chattering, and he told me that I could get my coat from the back seat, and I just told him no because I wasn't truly convinced that, you know, there was nobody else on the, on the highway. And I wasn't convinced that he wasn't gonna shoot me and kill me um, that night. Um, luckily he didn't, but there, there, as we've seen, there are so many people that don't make it out
2: mm-hmm. okay. Okay. And when Will told me the story I'm going to share, I did not understand when he when he told me, I was like, why wouldn't you grab your coat if you were freezing? And and will explained to well. me. I, I was honestly I was really, really I didn't I, I quite didn't understand until he explained to me that that he was afraid that, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, he could have perfectly well said, you know, shoot Will in, in the back and perfectly well said that he was afraid that probably he was grabbing a gun from him underneath his coat Mm -hmm. and it's something that I'd never thought of and I'm not white. (laughs) So like Will said, it's not white privilege. Sometimes it's, 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 it's ignorance and it's not living in that, in the other person's shoes and not experiencing it. So, so this is, this is powerful stuff to be able to bring you guys and so many others. Um, to the platform where you can have your voice heard. And like Anthony and Leah have been saying, you, you know, we're, we know you're not talking on behalf of the entire community, but those personal experiences are absolutely, we know that they're multiplied and they're happening all over the country. Well,
3: and our conversation is never going to be enough. And that's why this is part one. This is the first of, we hope, quite a few of ongoing conversations Will, can you give us a brief history of Black Lives Matter, how it began, what it has done through the past few years, and where it stands now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> well, Black, Black Lives Matter is a direct response to the systemic racism um, in our criminal justice system. Um, all the way from policing in America (laughs) to uh, the prison system. And I won't go into all of it, but, you know, policing uh, in America started out with um, them watching um, slaves. Even before the country started, and and there's a, a episode of Line on NPR. Uh, it's about an hour um, podcast, and it goes through this history. So, if anybody wants to listen to that, it's on NPR, and it's called Throughline uh, Policing in America. But you know, the, the systemic racism has been here since before the, the beginning of the country. And then when they passed the 13th Amendment, which was supposed to end slavery, there was a, a little loophole um, that the, the South took advantage of. And it said, slavery is ended unless somebody commits a a crime. And we see that even to this day, where we have so many people of color in prison, and it's a modern day slavery, um, because you can't get a job if you're charged with a felony, you can't get a job. So that means you're going to uh, probably commit crimes again so you can survive. Um, so what Black Lives, Ma- Black Lives Matter is doing is not what people who are against it are saying. They're not a terrorist organization. Um, I know in my area, uh, Black Lives Matter Austin. They work with organizations, whether it's LGBT, whether it's um, uh, Latino, or they work with everybody to try to make change. And their Black Lives Matter is not a centralized organization. There's like 150 uh, different groups of Black Lives Matter, it's more of a movement. So it's gonna look different based on what's going on in your area. So what I could suggest uh, people to do is learn about the Black Lives Matter in, in your particular area because what's going on in Austin is gonna look different from what's going on in New York or San Francisco or even Minneapolis.
1: (laughs) Will, I wanted to actually uh, ask a question, and maybe in in doing that, point something out, which is I'm wondering um, what Black Lives Matter is doing um, this year and this season, particularly because there's so much uh, voter disenfranchisement um, right now of trying to make it as difficult as possible uh, for people of color and people of low income to to vote. Um, I, I believe that that's another um, reality that Black Lives Matter is really invested in trying to um, ameliorate this election season.
0: Yeah, that's and that's going to look different as well since... Every state has its own um, voting uh, laws. Right. Um, here in Texas, uh, for instance, um, especially with the the pandemic, uh, we were trying to get uh, where more people could vote uh, absentee. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But our our um, Attorney General, (laughs) as usual, um, was against that. Um, And then with the Postmaster General trying to make things difficult, even though, you know, as of today, he says he's going to not put forth those changes. um, You know, that's what he says today. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still difficult. (laughs) Um, So, you know I would I would look up um, what's going on again in a person's area um, to really know what's going on because like I said, it's so so completely different. Um, but a lot of a lot of the chapters are doing you know early the voting registration. And for those that are afraid to vote by mail or cannot vote by mail, you know, they work with other civil rights organizations and do take people to the polls and, and things like that.
1: Um, Cheryl, I wanted to ask you, you know, before before we go, is there a particular um, historical um, either work of nonfiction or novel that you recommend that people read if they want to learn more and have a better understanding of racial dynamics in the United States. Whoa. Uh,
4: <laughs> there, there are tons of books. So um, one book that I've enjoyed that's, it's nonfiction. I'm going to talk about two books. One is okay. called, um, oh, geez, I'm not good with titles how to be an anti-racist ally. Um, And I, I might've gotten that wrong, but I think that's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a really well-written book that I think speaks really honestly about race, race relations. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Um, So that, that would be one. And another one, and I'm mentioning this one because we're reading it for the book discussion for MCAC, um, and that is The Warmth of Other Suns. And um, that one um, traces the migration of three families from the south to the north, and in doing so gives you like a really thorough history of the lives of Black Americans um, over
1: decades. Um, hmm. and it's- Do you know offhand who the author is?
4: Uh, Isabel. It's either Wilkins or Wilkerson. But hmm, if you, okay. you can Google or better yet, go to Bard. Mm-hmm. And if you t- type in the warmth of other suns, it will pop
2: up. Thanks for that info. Um I know like Leah and Anthony love to say time is an evil mistress. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's amazing how time flies. I just checked because I don't want us to leave without saying two things. Um I want to leave you know the floor for um Will and Cheryl to give some closing remarks. Um uh, just moving forward. Um Tell us what we can do, how we can be part of the efforts to end or move towards. To stand, yeah. Yeah, to stand next to you Mm -hmm. guys and and to do something about it and to not be complacent with, with what's going on. And even though we're not in your shoes, we are your brothers and sisters and we want to be part of of, of change and change for the betterment of our society and for equality. Um, and like Anthony also said, yeah, like Anthony said, answer. This is, I, I'm sorry, this is um, just before I shut up, I'm, I'm just going to say, um, this is, there's going to be definitely multiple parts of this conversation. So uh, go ahead, Will and Cheryl, and uh, I'll shut up now. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Well, I think people can, choose to be an ally or a co-conspirator. Um, nice. <laughs> Good one. If yeah, you remember yeah. back when they were about uh, to take the, the, the flag down in South Carolina, mm-hmm. there was a, the, a, a black woman and a white man.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, they trained this black woman to climb the flag pole to get take down the confederate flag and the white man was standing there and the police came up and they were going to tase the flagpole to get her down well she would have she would have fell to her death or been yeah. brutally yeah. injured right um, and what he what that white man did was put his hand on the mm-hmm. flagpole he became a, a co-conspirator. So it's, it's we love our allies, mm-hmm. but we need some co-conspirators out there that's going <laughs> to
3: put some skin <laughs> in the game. <laughs> right. And that yeah. has just become the next yeah. topic that we're going to go into. You yeah. just gave us the next show, Will. Cheryl? Good.
4: Um, I would add that one, um, we're all learning you know every every day we're all learning something and i want to encourage people to be okay with discomfort
3: Mm -hmm. you can't move
4: forward yep if you're if you're not willing to to be uncomfortable um and know that you know you gain when you're when you can accept some discomfort
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> time is a very cruel mistress as leah is often uh, noted to say if you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation anything that you'd like us to continue to conversate in the upcoming shows or any comments for pride connection in general please reach out to us at membership at blind lgbt pride.org Please join us again every Tuesday, 10 p.m., or the various replays. Cheryl and Will, we want to thank you very, very much for opening this conversation, and hopefully you will be back for the subsequent following conversations. And uh, if you have any direct comments or questions for either, two of our, for either of the two of our guests, we will forward those as well. Thank you very much for listening. Jeff, thank you very much for streaming us for us tonight. And we will be back with another conversation next Tuesday.
1: You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. Someday
3: we'll find it, the rainbow connection. The lovers, the dreamers.